The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Actual NBA basketball is in the books. John and I are going to talk a little bit about that, but then we're going to get into a mailbag. Thanks to everyone. Overwhelming response of questions for our solicitation on Twitter. So we're going to have a ton of stuff to talk about, hit on some rookie extensions, some trade ideas, all the other stuff that you want to talk about as we get into the opening night for 26 teams this evening. But first off, John, I talked about it a ton on Dunked on Prime, but just your overall thoughts on the two games last night. Well, I mean, there was only one of them that we could really call a game, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I that, that Laker-Clipper game was interesting to me because it's opening night and the Lakers look like they were on a back-to-back. Like they didn't, you just didn't feel their pace at all the way you did last year. Um, and I, I just thought they looked kind of sluggish at times, especially obviously in the beginning of the game. Uh, but even then in the, in the second half too, uh, LeBron didn't really put his imprint on the game, which is something that I think we'll probably see a lot of in the regular season. Actually, it's one of the reasons I was kind of down on their regular season win total, uh, encouraging for the Clippers to see Paul George play so well after he struggled some in the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean, that for him to be the best player on the floor last night, obviously it's not going to erase his playoff demons, but he did everything that he could do, at least uh, for one night. And yeah, the Clippers, I'm sure, were a lot more motivated to win. Ring night is often a weird time for a lot of teams. They played 11 guys 10 minutes or more, Frank Vogel did. So he, they have a lot of guys. They're just going to have to kind of figure out the rotations. And the Clippers, I mean, the Clippers matched up better with the Lakers last year as well I thought they they largely had the better of those matchups even though I think it was 2-2 mm-hmm. uh the Lakers yeah. I, I mean to me the most discouraging thing is we haven't seen the Lakers be able to score against the Clippers yet really in any of these matchups and mm-hmm. so that's a little bit of a concern but you know for at least for one night you are looking like more sage on the Lakers than I am when I was talking about them being the number one seed. But you know, last year last year they lost game one to the Clippers and then they started twenty four and three. So I'm not ruling it out yet. Um exactly. How about uh Brooklyn Golden State? Well Brooklyn looked awesome. Uh, I thought, you know, like KD looked good, but they didn't even need him to do that much. Like Kyrie was just killing them in the first half, just just off the dribble, just kind of getting wherever he wanted. Uh I thought Levert looked pretty good in that six-man role. I thought Dinwoody looks more comfortable than I expected in that starting group. And then it's almost unfair to have those weapons and then have Harris on the weak side, like coming off pin downs and stuff. Uh, Offensively, just Brooklyn, if healthy, just looks like they could be devastating. 
Well, and they also held Golden State to a 77 offensive rating in the first half. Granted, Golden State had a lot of shots that were open that Go- they missed. Go- but. Golden State missed a lot. Golden State held itself to a 77 offensive rating partly, I think. The Nets did a good job on Steph, I thought, but yeah. uh, missed a lot of open jump shots, as you said. And I think shooting might be a story for that team all season. Neither Ubre nor Wiggins is a knockdown guy. The bigs aren't really shooters. Uh, that's going to be an interesting thing there as this year goes on. Do the Warriors, does a team with Steph Curry have enough shooting? It's, it's amazing to say that, but in this day and age, that's the type of thing we're left wondering. So a lot of hype about James Weissman, and he had 19 points in 24 minutes. Much of it came late uh, with three jumpers in garbage time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's good to hear Marv back on the call. Uh, but what are your impressions on his debut since uh, he's a bit of a mystery man coming in? Yeah, I mean, I think you see how he got drafted so highly. I mean, on that first play of the game, you look at where he caught that ball and to turn it into a one step and a dunk. Like most most players in the league can't do that. Most players need to take a take a power dribble another step before they're even thinking about dunking on a catch like that. He caught the ball outside the paint and went up for a two-handed dunk. Uh, you see some potential with him to, to dribble drive from the free throw line area, uh, sort of a la young Alonzo Mourning almost and the way he would do that in Charlotte that uh, back in the day reference there for our younger viewers. And yeah. uh, the, the thing that uh, I wondered a little bit watching him is it seems like he can't really do stuff with one hand. Uh, which, what I mean is he has to catch and go up with two hands to dunk it. He he's even like his tip dunk tries are all with two hands. Um, a couple of his drunk, uh, like he had a dunk that rattled in. Uh, I wonder about that a little bit. Like it's really in contrast. You see, see DeAndre Jordan, the guy who's playing against, is able to go up with one hand, either hand, and just very confidently just catch the ball one hand and slam it. I don't know if Wiseman has those kind of hands. Yeah, those, his hands looked a little bit dicey on some catches. I I agree with like the one handed dunks. He did go for the right handed finish a couple times, including a right handed hook shot, which uh, he might want to excise. <laughs> yes, from the rope drop. But he had he had a nice one handed finish on that uh, fake DHO drive against Jeff Green. I mean, I I think I talked about him very extensively with Danny last night, so I can kind of truncate this discussion. But I think the stuff that looked really good, which is the jump shot and his ability to dribble, that's kind of ancillary to me, at least in the short term. Like that stuff that like, it's nice, but do you really want him doing it that much? Yeah. You know, okay, take an occasional trail three, that's fine. But, you know, I still don't see him as a guy in the end that you're really going to be running stuff through uh and so yeah certainly it's good that if you throw in the ball and they trap staff he can take a couple of dribbles maybe get in for a dunk uh but the feel uh, particularly defensively you know didn't really impress me and yes i'm well aware of the lack of experience and all that but there was a possibility he was going to come in and look like he had some really good defensive instincts at least you know and we just didn't see i wanted to see some flashes in that regard and didn't quite see it even though the physical tools obviously were really good listeners i want to tell you about a new offering from sports business classroom an organization that i was involved in founding and now they are launching the cba mastery course courtesy of the cap father himself larry coon who created the first cba faq way back in 1999 nobody knows more about the cba than larry coon and now for the first time you can learn the same information that larry has been teaching teams agents and executives for over 20 years at your own pace 
which is awesome. All the sexy stuff is in there. Uniform player contracts, exceptions, trades, extensions, waivers, the Gilbert Arenas provision. All of it's available via on-demand video. You can get interactive exercises you can do at your own pace. There's an exclusive members-only CBA mastery forum. Definitions of all the key CBA terms. A certificate of completion if you complete the course. You can also be included in exclusive emails promoting jobs in the, in the industry. You get a discount on Sports Business Classroom 2021 Business of Basketball Immersive Experience in Las Vegas. Subject to admission, of course. And placement on the exclusive Vegas Summer League Talent Profile website, accessed exclusively by sports business executives looking for job candidates. If you sign up, you can receive 10% off the price of the CBA Mastery course using the discount code CAPSPACE if you're paying in full or CAPSPACE PP if you're playing with a payment plan. Once again, that's the discount code CAPSPACE or CAPSPACE PP for CBA Mastery at cbamastery.com. All right, well, let's get into now our mailbag questions. We had a ton of questions about rookie extensions, uh, including uh, from Haber Costa, Dialogic Mind. He asked uh, best and worst rookie extensions. And one thing that we're going to talk about, you had this in your column for The Athletic today, is some of these extensions are not exactly what is first broken on Twitter. But yeah, give me your best rookie extension and your worst rookie extension from the team side perspective. Yeah, I think there's a pretty clear best and worst. Uh, the best one is OGN and Obi's deal with Toronto. Uh, four years, 72 million, fourth year player option. The 16 million that he starts at next year is really at the absolute limit of what Toronto could pay him and still keep their cap room dreams sort of alive. So I, I thought that was really good for the Raptors there. They obviously had to give up the fourth year player option, but I think I think Ano Ananobi is a pretty good bet to outrun this contract over these first three years. And I mean, in my opinion, opinion if you just look at what he did in the playoffs last year he's already worth more than this right right yeah so and i think if he became a restricted free agent a year from now he was probably going to get that 20 million range deal uh or you know maybe more maybe would have gotten you know this there's going to be some stupid money out there next year too most likely uh so yeah i thought this i thought this was a really good deal for toronto uh even with the fourth year player option you know you have to give up something to get something and i i I just really liked what they did there so one thing that i don't know if i can call this a trend but uh, that i wanted to throw out there as a possible observation to you is for whatever reason i have some theories on why this is there still is anchoring about when guys were drafted whether it's a guy coming out of the second round who's been on basically a minimum contract the whole time og drafted in the 20s kyle kuzma Derek white uh, although i thought he's got an okay deal uh yeah. from the spurs um but uh all of these whether it's just anchoring from being a low pick whether it's the fact that they haven't made that much money compared to guys especially because we're starting in 2017 now this is all new cba where you know the number one overall pick someone like markel fultz is getting 10 million mm-hmm. uh, a year to start you know these guys already have 30 million dollars less taxes in the bank whereas guys at the end of the round or the second round haven't gotten that big payday that life-changing money yet uh so for all those reasons it seems like these guys kind of at the end of the round still end up 
feeling like, all right, I got to get something. I got to get that big payday. Whereas guys at the beginning of the round, like they've already gotten that. They feel like they have a little bit more negotiating leverage. And so they'll either not extend or they will be able to just hold out and have more internal leverage and get themselves a better deal. Yeah. I mean, we saw, it's interesting you say that because there are three players who did not sign extensions, right? John Collins, Laurie Markkinen, Lonzo Ball. Uh, I guess Collins wasn't a high pick, but the other two guys were. Uh, and you wonder how much their draft position played into that, uh, especially maybe in in Markinen's case, where it's still not crystal clear that he's actually a good NBA player. I thought, like Lonzo to me, like I would have extended him if I was New Orleans. I was surprised they didn't get a deal done. But well, yeah, I mean, Rich Paul, uh, I mean, some other guys did extend. I mean, it was, it, it was interesting. I mean, there's a criticism of Rich Paul that he is not, uh, you know, that he kind of really negotiates too hard and doesn't take the bag for the player when it's important but sometimes he does like in Ananobi's case that uh, he did uh you know Lonzo I think just being the number two overall pick maybe that had too much anchoring for him I'd love to know because Lonzo's is a tough player to value as well I'd love to know what each side's offers were on that one um yeah, yeah I mean I got, is Zach Collins another one who didn't didn't extend did not did not extend and I uh, think they Justin ex- Patton didn't extend sorry uh, <laughs> I think they were extenuating circumstances with Collins because extending him would have put Portland into next year's tax. So I think they just kind of want to wait. I I do think Portland is probably about as bullish now as they were when they drafted him, even though maybe they maybe they shouldn't be, but they are. So I I, I think there's actually anchoring from both sides, I guess, in the Portland deal. But they they just didn't want to do a deal yet. Yeah, it seemed like it was it was amicable. Mike Scotto did the oh, both sides have decided that because of his injury issues that it doesn't make sense to do a deal now, which is honestly probably correct from from both sides you know, i mean if you're portland you know you shouldn't be offering much more than 10 million a year i would say uh, for someone like collins yeah. um and then the others that didn't extend josh hart uh, did not extend jared allen did not extend as well i think those are the only other those are probably realistic. the main two yeah josh hart it's interesting to me because he's a good player i'm not sure he totally fits where he is right now uh i think i think he could be better on another team like if i if i'm if i'm one of the other teams in the league i'm definitely looking at him and saying if i you know if i come up with like 12 million dollars next summer i think norons might flinch and i can get this guy okay so so but anything else you want to say on and an OB as the uh the potential best one i mean the the player option you know that was something that woge noted this and i i was shocked really this i'm sure this came from the agent uh but kuzma and og Anobi that these are the first rookie extensions to have player options that weren't the max that was shocking to me if that's really true um i haven't i don't can't remember any off the top of my head so i think it is but that was that was really surprising to me i'm trying to remember others from the past that were set up this way um it's a structure that makes sense yeah yeah because jeff green had it but that wasn't a player option that was a he went all the way to restricted free agency and then signed yeah Yeah, it's it is a structure that makes some sense right yeah so it is a little surprising we haven't seen it before um Speaking of Kyle Kuzma, uh, so we nominated our best extension. Uh, I think Kuzma gets my vote for the worst extension. Wow. I I just, well, why? Like, you you took away all your trade, uh, or took away a lot of your trade possibilities for this year to improve your team to, what, give $13 million to LeBron's backup? And he's 
Like, is is he good? Is he ever going to be good? Well, on this team, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Maybe there's hope that, you know, if he can evolve into what he is supposed to be, which is like really a legitimate high-scoring six-man who can maybe close some games. I thought he did take some strides forward defensively in the bubble, although he got absolutely flambéed last night by Paul yeah. George. Yeah. Um, they actually pulled him in stretches, it looked like, to put in Horton Tucker, actually. Yeah. Now he, ended that, up that play, he ended up playing 27 minutes, but a lot of that was at the end when when the game was out of reach yeah but no he hasn't found a way to score efficiently outside of some of those mid post isos that had him averaging 18 a game in the era before anthony davis actually made this team good Mm -hmm. but you know there's still some anchoring for that obviously uh i agree i think he would just have more value on another you know a team like orlando or something that struggles to score and maybe that was a concern that they were going to lose him and this maintains him as a trade asset he's will be under contract through age 28 making 13 million a year even if he does go for that player option um you know i think for him it was a very good structure uh to do it that way clearly yeah but yeah. uh yeah I, I mean i think they at least they didn't do 16 million a year i guess right i mean they, <laughs> they paid him like a high quality backup and you know i think they he's at least shown the ability to score like that kind of a player it's just when you have these superstars that like slightly below league average efficiency high volume forward scoring and not a ton else doesn't do much for you for the lakers it might for another team um there wasn't much opportunity for cost from a cap space perspective going forward so really the only opportunity cost is not being able to trade him this year but there are teams there, that trade there is there is an yeah. opportunity cost uh going forward if they want to use their full mid-level exception next year yeah i guess that's a possibility uh although i think they kind of see them you know they might re-sign someone like harold they uh they're gonna harold, re-sign Caruso, Schroeder. horton tucker Schroeder. yeah there's a yeah, lot of guys i mean there. i think they intend to re-sign those guys and if you do that you're probably you're running out of room for the full mid-level pretty quickly i think also the la lakers are able to sign west matthews and marcus ole for a combined five million dollars a year so not having the full mid-level i think is a little bit less of an opportunity cost for them than some teams um so yeah i don't know i i didn't think it was bad it made sense to me the trade thing is the biggest one but there's not the, the from a poison pill he starts he'll start at what like 11 million or something so it's 13. not that big of a difference between the 3.5 he's making this year and the 11 million or or, or i guess it'll be the average over the life of the contract um and this year ends up to be about 11 million so uh which will be his outgoing cap number in the poison pill so if you make the trade big enough you might still be able to get it done to trade him or if there's a team that has a trade exception they can just take him uh, as well so it's not totally foreclosed but i I agree i mean for the trade purpose i would have wanted to uh not extend him i think they just felt like it was too good of a deal to not do it but i think we disagree on the quality of the play yeah yeah i just you know i just think sort of inside that la bubble where it's like you know he was their guy that they got with a late pick and they got a lot of credit for it right away and he's kind of seen as a star even though he's not and i just think all that colors it so yeah anyway i was i was not a fan of that one if you're looking for new glasses or even if you didn't think you were i highly encourage you to check out coastal.com it's the perfect technological solution to our current socially distanced lifestyles they have the most advanced visual try-on technology that you will find anywhere. You just select the frames and it will put it on your face 
on your computer using your camera in an incredibly realistic looking way you move your head around you turn from side to side it keeps them on there it's really really impressive stuff so now you have hundreds of styles in fact over 2,000 frames that you can choose from they have 24-hour customer support as well they have america's best customer service according to newsweek so you don't have to spend all this time at the store you don't have to worry about keeping your distance from the employees at the store you can try on everything virtually and and their prescription glasses start at a mere nine dollars with free shipping and 30-day risk-free returns you can even check out how these will look if they're sunglasses using their technology as well and when you buy a pair from coastal you can donate a pair to someone in need in just one click at no extra cost to date they have given more than 470,000 pairs of glasses to people in need across the world they start at just nine dollars there's no need to leave your house this is a new way to shop for glasses at coastal.com use your fsa benefits now before they run out now and for a limited time they are offering our listeners the best deal they have going anywhere 50 percent off your first pair of glasses at coastal.com slash per easy remember slash per because john invented it that's free shipping 30 day risk-free returns and 50 percent off at coastal.com slash per only for a limited time that's coastal c-o-a-s-t-a-l.com slash per some restrictions apply David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich. Thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store so uh let's see here we should go through the rest of them and some of these have a a lot of interesting provisions in them let's start with jonathan isaac which was reported as four years at 20 million a year four years 80 million yep but uh that one i would assume has some protections for the magic yes so it's 17.4 million in base salary uh a year and then 2.6 million he gets if they if he plays 70 games or the prorated equivalent so it's basically an injury protection for the Magic. Uh, and then the interesting part is that it also has something called an Exhibit 3, which basically allows a team to uh, reduce or eliminate salary protection for a given body part. Um, and we don't know what the fine print is on it, but we we know that it exists uh, in this contract. So th- that's the information we have right now. And so you would presume it's for his left knee, right? Which would provide a little bit extra security for the Magic in case something additional happened to that knee yeah. that caused him to be unable to play. Yeah. Now, those kind of look better on paper for the team sometimes than they actually are like Joel Embiid had one of those I think one for his knee and one for his foot yeah if memory serves it, but it was it was a different kind it wasn't an exhibit three it was actually written into the contract guarantee provisions but ah, okay uh, so tech technically basically the same thing although tech technically executed differently um yeah well and, they had to decide earlier so with this yeah. one they probably won't then right like it was like a year in advance uh they would have 
have had to decide to cut him essentially before it guaranteed this was my recollection yeah yeah exactly and so the thing that it that it doesn't protect you from as well is if the guy just has trouble with the body part and plays but sucks it's 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 more it's more a situation where where there's an actual re-injury yeah yeah no that's a um yeah i mean if he's just going out with a 97 pound knee brace and can't move uh but he's still playing in games uh yeah that's that's an issue um yeah so so it's basically 17 million a year and then there are incentives for games played but then there's also the exhibit three is that cover it yeah exactly exactly so it ends up at 20 million a year and it's flat the money's flat uh, so I actually like this deal for Orlando. I think I, Jonathan Isaac can be really good. Yeah, I th- I think you know it, in isolation it, it makes sense to me. This is this is I, the whole point of extending to me is you feel like the player has a chance to outperform this contract, and I believe yeah. that is the case uh, yeah. for Isaac. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, so I th- I think that I think that one is a clear win for the Magic. Now, how about uh, Markel Fultz? Uh, I think there's Josh Robbins, your colleague at the Athletic, reported a team option on the end of the three-year, fifty million dollar extension that he signed. Yeah, so it's it's actually a two million guarantee on the third year. Okay. Uh, so he he he's got he gets sixteen and a half the first two years, and there's a one million dollar incentive uh, if he wins the Most Improved Player award, <laughs> which is an interesting one, right? I, I mean, well. I'll tell you what, if he if he ever like gets his jumper back, which is looking kind of unlikely to me, yeah, then I think that's actually not totally unrealistic. It'll be such a great story and like there really will be an improvement. So uh but my issue with this one is yeah, the team is protected, it makes more sense. There probably isn't too much opportunity cost. They were already gonna be they weren't gonna have cap room for next year for sure. Yeah. Uh and then the year after that, you know, they might have had some cap room, but uh you know what what does it matter i guess for a, for a team like orlando at this point it's not going to go out too far so you might have a, a couple of years of him not being worth the salary i suspect that that will be the case just because the jumper still has not improved at any sort of a rate where you think it's going to get to be a weapon again you know i've really yeah. i was disappointed with him coming back to the bubble and i've been disappointed this year that it just looks like the same form that it's been yeah yeah so obviously they took a they basically probably probably over over paid for these next two years to have the option on the third year is is how i look at it i don't think it was necessarily a bad gamble in their position um but i'm much more close to straddling the fence on this one than what like i'm a big fan of the deal they did with isaac i'm more on the fence with this one yeah i mean is it gonna be awkward when cole anthony is better than him <laughs> I mean, I, I I say that in somewhat jest, but I think I think yeah. that actually there is a reasonable possibility of that. But you know, I like Fultz. He, he defends. I know like the, the guards who defend. Um, but yeah, it's just it's hard for me to see without the jump shot. Like maybe he could come close to living up to this. But you know, I think you you pay this type of money for a guy who's a top twenty point guard in the NBA, and I just don't see how he gets there with the jump shot limitations. Like he's kind of he's kind of like Delon Wright otherwise you know yeah yeah that might be a good comp like a really high level backup who's a little stretched as a starter uh and maybe like fourth quarters isn't really your guy yeah well and also just when you think when you just look 
at the overall fabric of their team having a point guard who can't shoot when you also have a four man who can't shoot in gordon another four man who can't shoot in isaac and it just becomes very hard to build your team as well i think and and that's just the overall thought in orlando is it just continues to be all right they're like well we got to lock these guys up because you know so we can keep winning 33 games a year uh or 41 games a year whatever it ends up being you know depending on how vucevic and and terrence ross shoot it that year and evan fournier and those guys are all on the decline and fournier may not be here anymore and so i'm just sort of like yeah you know where are you going here like you got you kind of you know you need to pick a direction it's still point. still waiting for that like push your chips in move from the magic yeah well i mean you can go all in and double up and still have the eighth highest stack at the table i I think that's the analogy at this point because they just they don't have that many chips to push in Uh, yeah i did i I don't know anything about poker but i did read maria konnikova's book uh, a few weeks ago um brilliant this episode is brought to you by 1010 you may have read about it in the new york times or forbes and we're excited to tell you about it 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind engagement rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today using only diamonds responsibly sourced from botswana 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring launching exclusively on january 18th at bluedial.com and when they are gone they are gone we all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic it's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people and with 1010 it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds if you're making 2021 plans or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate valentine's day you're definitely gonna want to check this out again this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings launches on january 18th and you can preview it exclusively at bluenile.com What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Uh, How about uh, Derek White with the Spurs? So here's the thing I'm questioning about this deal. First of all, let's let's go over the numbers, right? So he's got, uh, he starts at 15.7 million base salary next year, goes up to 19.3 million in 2024. Uh, has 1.25 million in incentives each year, uh, 500 of which are pretty easy to, for him to get, and 750 of which are going to be pretty difficult. Uh, so you could you could call the overall amount on this 72 million over four years. Uh, so he's it's Bogdanovich money. Yeah, I don't necessarily hate paying him at that level. Like I think he's a pretty good player. Uh, although I mean the first year of the contract is likely to be the most valuable because he's much older than most of the other extension candidates. So. 
that's that's a little bit of a drag. The thing I just didn't get is why they didn't front load the money. Like you have all this cap room next year, probably more than you can spend. Like you got even with his money on the books, you got fifty four million or something next year. And so you're gonna you're gonna start him low and then go up to to paying him nineteen million when he's thirty. Like I just don't get that. Yeah, I would have liked to have done it that way as well. Perhaps agents are less interested in that kind of a structure because you're going to have these big escrow amounts taken out uh, over the next three years, probably. So uh, where even the losses from this year where revenue could be down as much as 30 or 40%, that's going to get spread out over the next three years. You could have 18% escrow the next three years. So maybe they felt like they wanted to push more of that money towards the end of the contract for that reason. That's, that's the only reason i could think of or just that they're not really that creative or maybe they uh maybe they got big cap space aspirations for next year it could be you know i it it makes me yeah i i hope there's something there and i hope it's i hope that you know the vision there isn't like well let's just bring back aldridge into rosen again <laughs> you know run it back yeah. Well, also, I think there's going to be a new TV deal probably at the end of the 24 season. So maybe that makes the pain on the end a little bit less. And so you just feel like it's better to keep it low now when we're in this flat cap period. Um, but I, I like this one for the Spurs. This is another one where White hasn't made any money. Um, you know, he if he had taken it into restricted free agency after a good year, I could have seen him getting Malcolm Brogdon money. But this isn't really that far off of that. I think this is kind of yeah. the reasonable uh, the reasonable discount for getting paid now and locking it in, you know, whether if the market would have been set by guys like Brogdon and Van Vliet for what he could be if he really does well. So you take a discount off of that. I mean, I think the player that we saw in the bubble is worth a little bit more than this, but that was eight games. He's coming off this toe injury. He hasn't made any money in his career. So I thought this is a pretty fair deal for both sides. And of course, you know, the Spurs, as you mentioned, have cap room coming out their ears in the future. So try and lock him up. But I think he could outperform this by a little bit. I think he could outperform it by maybe a little bit, but it's definitely it's definitely toward the higher end of what he can be. And I I I think there's some potential for downside surprises on the last couple of years of this. I yeah, just due to the age. I mean, so he's yeah. twenty. He's gonna be twenty six. Yeah. He's 26 now. He's uh, he's already 26 and not quite like an elite skill guy. So Yeah. Yeah, he still do, will be 26 this offseason. Um as I delete him from my sheet of restricted free agents. Sadly, man, yeah, the uh the teams with cap room in 2021 are looking like some big losers over the last month, that's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um one last thing on White, though. Mm-hmm. While he may not be that amazing of a player, uh, though I think he's very good and, and defensively with his help defense and charges, you know, that's very underrated ability to guard both guard spots really well, shoot it, run pick and roll. That level of versatility means that, yeah, you know what? Maybe you're not, you know, in a vacuum that valuable of a player, but you're going to have a lot of suitors when you're that type of player because he fits on every team. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I think, we've seen guys like Van Vliet was one of those guys this year um for example as compared to say a point guard like ricky rubio where yeah you know teams with a huge hole at the position would be interested in him but white you know if you have a hole at the two you have a hole at the one you he can run some pick and roll so like you might believe he can become more of an offensive star or maybe you already have a ball dominant
dominant wing that he's a perfect fit next to. So, you know, there's 15, 20 teams in the league that could use Derek White. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good point. And they preserve the asset value and have it to use in a trade. Um, Canard, uh, Luke Canard. This is this was uh, the a pretty good example of Twitter deal inflation when it was first announced at four for sixty four. Yeah, so he can theoretically get to that amount, uh, but he won't. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, so there's there's 56 million in base salary and 8 million in incentives. Of the incentives, I'd say about 4 million are realistic and 4 million are not so realistic. And the other thing is that there's a fourth year team option. So, what did the uh what did the Clippers really commit themselves to? Uh about 41 to 44 million. Uh you know, he's got he's got a games played incentive, he's got an incentive for making the first round of the playoffs. So, he, you know, he should get the those and get about a million in incentives that way yeah well and obviously now with all these uh unlikely incentives against the hard cap uh the bucks will be really interested in trading for him as well so that's, that's, that's <laughs> right <something. laughs> then finding out later like oh, wait um so I actually thought this deal was okay. Uh, I, I think Kennard's a pretty good offensive player. Uh, still pretty young. I Obviously, this depends a little bit on his knees, but I, I don't know. I thought he looked pretty decent last night. And he's this league pays more for offense and for shooting. And th- that's that's just the way it, it operates. And so I, I think there was a real, th- certainly there was a real threat of Kennard getting this contract or more next summer. Yeah, so this was one where it was pretty close to what I ended up negotiating in our mock off season episode uh, okay. with with uh, Dan Feldman. And we ended up at four for forty eight with uh, the last year non guaranteed, but could guarantee based on games played because he had that bilateral knee soreness that caused him to yeah. miss the majority of last year. You know, he didn't have surgery, so that that's a, a little concerning. Yes, we pay for shooting, but he's not you know that kind of pure JJ Redick or Joe Harris type of shooter. And Harris, of course, uh, has more size. Bertans has more size. You know, he's not that like devastating come off a screen guy. Maybe he'll become that, but he kind of wants to do more with the ball. And I, I think it's funny to me that the Clippers traded for him and paid him because to me, he would have much more value for the team that he just left Detroit where they just desperately need some offense. And it doesn't matter that he's not gonna be able to guard anyone in the playoffs. And that does matter for the Clippers. You know, I could see him being a very limited rotation piece in the playoffs and so i i do kind of question paying him now but you don't trade for him to not pay him and so i think this is for this is probably the lowest deal that anyone like him who has kind of views themselves as a starter and has shown enough to kind of be a starter this is the lowest yeah. deal that anyone like that is going to accept realistically in a rookie extension yeah i'm trying to remember if there's ever been a rookie extension done for the mid-level or less uh, other uh, than the one we, other than the one we did with Quincy Pondexter, um, Jeremy Lamb did what in Charlotte? Oh yeah, okay, okay. Um, I Good think one. now that might have been technically the mid level was a little bit lower at that time. Like that might have been the year that the mid level was artificially low still. Mm-hmm. But uh, like that, I mean, that was one of the ones. That, and Lamb had shown nothing. Don't forget at the time of that trade, right? Like that was just a pure flyer. Three years, twenty one million yeah. with Charlotte after he got. Yeah traded from you know, i think that would have been yeah that would have been 2015 so everyone knew that the big cap spike was coming at that point
point and that it would yeah. be, you know, below the average salary. But you're right. I mean, there's just, and frankly, I think that more teams and players, we, I think we started seeing that a little bit with guys like Kuzma, for example, where, you know, you should get that money for your client, even if he's not being paid at like, you know, a pure starter type of level. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think a lot of times guys turn down contracts that they, and then they go into restricted free agency and they're kind of, you know, they just get paid like backups for the rest of your career. And so if you can kind of get that hybrid starter backup money in an extension when you're not a clear starter, it probably makes sense to take it. Yeah, I think so. Get that, especially on your first, coming off your rookie deal, get that life-changing money. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar. No longer must you make do with a protein bar that tastes like a small child took a bunch of sand from the beach, put it in a wrapper, and tried to pass it off as food. The flavors of Built Bar are amazing. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake. Those are the new ones. The classics like raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, double chocolate, peanut butter brownie. All these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew, but still fantastic nutritional value as well. Peanut butter, for example, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. And you can even get a free cooler with purchase while supplies lock. Go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on and you'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code locked on, the name of this network for 20% off at builtbar.com. Um, all right, did we hit all of them? Am I forgetting any? Uh, do we need to talk about Rudy Gobert? I I went on this for a long time with Danny, but yeah, I would love to get your thoughts on it. Uh, so I was not a fan of this. I thought they completely overpaid. Uh, I thought going going out five years was a mistake. I thought between the Mitchell deal and this one, they kind of gave in on both of them. And as a result, they really are going to have their hands tied going forward with a kind of a decently good team that is old and expensive and will be probably trending downward unless Mitchell just goes bananas. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Um, You know, I mean, I think I might just like go to one of those quick like data scientist boot camps, put on a purple shirt and walk into Ryan Smith's office and demand two million a year. I'll probably get it. I mean, he showed he's willing to spend. So there's that's the kernel of good yeah. news in this. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's, it, it's the better new owner disease than the Tillman Fertitta yeah. one. But it's, uh, yeah. it, it is a new owner disease to like want to prove yeah. it. The fact that he was a fan of the team, I mean, that's just that. Yeah. This and, all feels very fanboy, right? Yeah. And, you know, I'm sure jazz fans are really happy that Rudy Gobert is going to be sticking around. But you just had to negotiate a little bit harder. I mean, the most he was going to get from another team, even as a free agent was 150 million and you know i think gobert really benefited from kind of his pridefulness and his prickliness ironically enough to where he could realistically make the threat of like hey you know what even if you offer me 30 million more than anyone else could next summer i'm gonna say fuck you because you had the chance to pay me you didn't and i'm gonna just leave because i've already gotten a hundred million dollars um but yeah i mean if the utah jazz lose in the first round this and they're locked into this team of all old guys except for they're already a tax team next year and especially if Mitchell makes third team all NBA. I mean, they gave him 30% of the max if he even makes third team, uh, which like Sacramento didn't do that with Fox. Miami didn't do that with Bam. And so it could put them several million into the tax. That's before you resign Mike Conley or add a draft pick or, you know, sign anyone else. I mean, they're, they're just really put themselves in a tight spot. Okay, let's uh, let's get into the mailbag here. Sure. And this is a, a good one. Daniel Holland, Dutchie 1515. What teams have impressed you the most in preseason and which have concerns based on what you have seen 
I try not to take too much away from preseason. I will say, since we talked about Minnesota before, they did not look good in preseason. And they made a bad situation worse, I thought, by cutting Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who was the guy I thought they should end up starting it for. Um, yeah. I thought he actually <laughs> so, like looked semi-okay in what, what little I saw there. but Yeah. And no, I thought he was one of their best players in the preseason, like without a doubt. And A chilling vision of things to come. Yeah, it it, it was. Um, Anthony Edwards, I think in the first half of the season, certainly uh, temper expectations. Uh, it's, it's Whatever he's going to become, I think it's just going to be a little bit of a while. It's just because, I mean, his feel is so far behind. Looks heavy to me, too. Could be, yeah. I mean, he's got that linebacker body, but I got I to gotta, I gotta watch that a little more closely. I mean, I, th- I thought he looked heavier than he did in college, I guess I'll put it that way. And, sure. and not in a good way. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, definitely worried about Minnesota. Um, I think it's probably fair to worry about Golden State after last night. Although I know they didn't have Draymond Green and they were playing on the road against a good team. Uh, yeah, and they're but- not going to shoot that poorly from three. I mean, they're like I think you can count on Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins to hit 33% this year instead of 1%. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even Steph Curry was only two out of eight. You know, I think they... Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. they, they really missed Draymond Green as a passer and connector. I thought Golden State looked fine in the preseason, you know, mm-hmm. so I mean, granted that's preseason. Um, Atlanta, some concerns there. And now it's particularly with some of the injuries that they have going into this season. Clint Capella is uh, not going to play tonight. Okongu is still out. Chris Dunn is still out. They're right back to this problem of no point guard depth and no center like they had last year. Well, I mean, I don't know that Rondo being out hurts them. Uh, well, it hurts them <laughs> for a regular they don't season have game. <laughs> it hurts them when they don't have any backup. I mean, you think Brandon Goodwin is better than him? Uh Brandon, okay, so I'm a Brandon Goodwin stand. Yeah, no, I, I realized as soon as I asked that, you were going to say yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, so it's, it is it is interesting, though. I mean, in the last preseason game, they were trying to play Herter as a backup point guard, and it was like they couldn't even run any offense. Yeah. Uh, it's got to be Bogdan. It's got to be Bogdanovich. They have to. They have to tilt the minutes so that early sub out Bogdanovich, and then he comes in when Trey comes out. I think that's what you need to do. I mean, especially like you don't even have Chris Dunn right now. Uh, not having the bigs is a problem because I mean any. Like to not have both centers, like you can get by some of the game with John Collins there, but like there's going to be a not a lot of Bruno Fernando happening, and that might not be pretty. So, but there was some encouraging stuff with the Hawks, kind of beneath all that. Like DeAndre Hunter had a good preseason, and that was the one position where you really scratch your head and wondered what the Hawks were going to get. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see if he can continue that. I mean, two teams who don't have to spend a lot of time on Chicago: Lowry, Markinen, Wendell Carter. Markinen did not extend, despite Casey Johnson reporting that he really. Wanted wanted to and was willing to make some concessions it seems like they just you know the ball's just got to go in the basket for him number one I mean there's all this stuff about how he was being used by Jim Boylan and all that and it's like well make more than 34 percent of your three-pointers first and then we'll talk about doing all this other shit yeah Um, totally totally and yeah uh, and 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 why is like I I think that's the right move for Karnishevis like you're 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 new there like let's let's see what we have first yeah um and you know it's still restricted free agency like they still uh, will have a chance to retain him and they'll still even have a chance to retain him with a contract offer that kind of before he really gets out there and gets an opportunity wendell carter jr the early three-point uh experiment with him he's i think he was one of 16 from three in the preseason and you know and 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 it and it looked like one of 16 you know what i mean (laughs) like 
Um, but uh, although, I mean, the long-term Patrick Williams looked good. If he can seize the starting small forward job, that would, that'll be nice, but I don't expect him to really contribute a ton this year. And then Thomas Sadoransky is working his way back in after having to self-isolate for 10 days because of Noah Vonley and mm-hmm. Luke Cornett, Daniel Gafford at backup big. Thaddeus Young has missed all the preseason with this infection. So they got a lot of holes again, it seems like. Garrett Temple also missed all preseason, basically. Um, you know, I thought Levine and White actually look pretty good but and williams but everyone else not so good chandler hutchinson showed a little bit but you know i'd like him to be able to hit a three-pointer still you know i'm not sure that i believe in that yet um yeah yeah uh detroit's um, you know, Blake Griffin, I know you were impressed with him in, at the beginning of the first game that kind of dropped off a little bit and the Jeremy Grant shoot a bunch of 20 footers off the pick and roll didn't go too well. Yeah. You know, what Blake gives them just being on the court at all is just a level of skill that they just don't have otherwise. Um, but there's going to be a lot of growing pains with Killian Hayes this year, I think. Ooh, and yeah. th- I mean, and I mean, they might, they might be the good kind of growing pains, but they're still going to hurt this year. Yeah. I mean, he had like 24% turnovers in the german league last year yeah yeah so that whole thing is just going to be very much a work in progress uh you know, Josh Josh Jackson, from what I saw, like he was really good in one game, but then kind of the same sort of hot mess playing style. Like I, 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 I don't have a lot of faith in that one, I guess. So, well, you know, I don't think Detroit should have had high hopes going into this year. The team I'm getting a little interested in uh, that could be like slightly frisky is Cleveland. Uh, like what I've seen from Okoro so far, like what I've seen from Dylan Windler, I think he might get a chance to play some here, depending on what else is going on with their bigs. Andre Drummond has actually looked really good. Like they might be less bad than we thought. Well, and honestly, Kevin Love, while the idea of him to space the floor for the young guards is a good one, he's going to miss the beginning of the season with this calf issue and hasn't been hasn't played much in preseason or at all, I think. But, uh, you know, Larry Nance, I think, can give them, he might be a better player for them at this point just to get their defense competent. If you have Okoro and Nance and Drummond, all of a sudden maybe your defense isn't going to be a complete disaster anymore. Um, and they're struggling to score even with Kevin Love, so... Uh, yeah no yeah no that's that's an interesting one and uh you know i have them winning 0.5 games more than their 22.5 over under so i hope that you are correct (laughs) way to go out on a limb (laughs) (laughs) um let's see here i mean memphis looked really good jaw looked awesome but of course they played against atlanta and minnesota so take that all with a grain of salt The shooting deficit in in memphis i still worry about with jaron out especially at the beginning of the season that's that's going to be a hard thing for them yeah people have been focusing on portland not looking good a a bunch but i mean they're veteran enough i don't they got their asses kicked by denver i mean that was didn't play in that game though right what's that didn't lillard not play in that game not in the second one but he played in the first one and it was just as bad i thought Jokic continuing to look skinny was was a a good sign for denver um all right you want to pick a question here yeah um all right here's here's an interesting one who is an under this from uh david lockheed who is an under the radar player that can blossom if traded to the right team uh and he uses an example tj warren going to the pacers that is an interesting one. I mean, there are kind of, I think there's two sort of archetypes of these players. One is a really good offensive player who just hasn't had as many opportunities, whether in his role or his playing time. And then the sure. other one is 
a player who is kind of you know a three and d type good role player but the team isn't good enough for him to play a role around some stars and so you know warren falls into that category a little bit more i think um so yeah anyone uh come to mind for you i got a couple but i'll let you go first uh spencer dinwiddie yep he was gonna be my first one as well yeah i think uh, you know as a lead guard on maybe a a 40 win team like he i think he could do a lot of damage yeah uh I, I mean, if uh, if D'Angelo Russell could make the All Star team in the East, I think Dinwiddie is better than D, uh, D'Angelo yeah, Russell. Yeah, that's a good. That's a yeah, that's a good comparison. Then yeah, what what about uh, Troy Brown? Yeah, that's an interesting one. Where you know he the, he really needs to be a two, uh, kind of a, a ball handling two. You know, it, he, I think he could work better in a multiple ball handler system. He's been miscast as a three and D type of, of small forward is really what he's needed to play more for yeah. Washington. Now, how good is the on ball? stuff how many teams can really use that I, I guess we'll find out maybe a little bit this year um how about uh mitchell robinson yeah that is he just you know too much of a head case that yeah i that six foul rule is still going to be there right it's a concern it's it's a concern <laughs> yeah he I, you know i watched the knicks a couple times in preseason and he's you you would you would be hard pressed to say he has improved. Yeah, but I mean we've never seen him actually play spread pick and roll on offense. I mean his ability to go up and get alley oops. I mean there just hasn't been any space to yeah. do that. Their point guards have been in the worst in the NBA for the past decade, uh, so they got nobody to get him the ball. And you know I think I think the real question is would he be better defensively somewhere else? And you know that's that's an interesting question. I mean I think Tom Thibodeau at least is someone who's we'll find out still if whether Mitchell Robinson could be good defensively with Tom Thibodeau Tom Thibodeau will uh I still trust him to some degree as a defensive coach even though it didn't go oh yeah absolutely yeah 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 and the Knicks have looked you know more like a real basketball team in these preseason games yeah I mean obviously my guy Paul Watson who only got 350,000 guaranteed over two years has got to be in there (laughs) we don't need to talk more about him he's been a frequent mention (laughs) on this program to be sure um Gary Trent Jr. is another one I think he's a starting two guard the way he played in the bubble yeah and you know it's interesting because I I don't know if Portland's even gonna have him be sixth or seventh in minutes like yeah seemed a little too wedded to the idea that like Carmelo Anthony is oh he's coming off the bench but he's our sixth man and not you know when he's really like their 10th best player yeah uh not a big fan of that one um let's see yeah i think that's a that's a pretty good list there i i would say i mean i, I would there's some guys in new orleans maybe as well you know I, we'll see how much Nikhil alexander walker plays this year you know, I oh i'm a i'm still a big fan of his good even though even though he was bad last year yeah i i could definitely see like another team liberating him and and putting him into it into a role in him succeeding how about uh aaron holiday yeah, he's all right. I, like I, like, like could he go somewhere else and start and maybe be like the nineteenth best point guard in the league in a new place? Maybe I could see that. But I mean, I've, I've trouble something. like getting excited about. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's excited is is tough. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but you know, someone who could be better in, uh, in a different role. Oh, perhaps. so I, I, so my Paul Watson would be uh John Conchar, who's going to be the yeah. like fifth, fifth string shooting guard in Memphis this year. I, I disagree with you on him because like, didn't you write and correct me if I'm wrong here, 
but didn't you write that he can shoot? I haven't really seen him be able to shoot. No, the shooting is the biggest question mark. Okay. I mean, he he's a plus rebounder. He's a good passer. I think he's just like a good instinctive player. Great finisher uh, for his size. Yeah, the, the shooting comes and goes with him. Uh, Michael Mulder, Golden State. Can I have a bigger role this year? All right, let's move on. Uh, you want to pick another one here? Yeah, sure. Uh all right, uh, Matt Conway asks, "Hey guys, what acquisitions around the margins, like an inexpensive role player type, do you think will have the most impact this year?" Um, could we put Derek Jones Jr. in that category? Uh, is is he an inexpensive role player type? It's two years of the mid level. Yeah, I mean that's close. Paul Watson, Michael Mulder. Sorry, Paul Watson. Sorry, sorry Paul you just Watson, Michael Mulder. Just shocked me. Just shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mo Harkless could. I just don't know that he will. Yeah, I he'll mean, definitely have have the opportunity to be that guy. Yes, that is true. I just um, don't know if he's good enough to actually do it. Uh, Marcus Saul, obviously, uh, kind of the same situation. So a lot of guys in the Celtics who are going to have the opportunity. We'll see whether they can deliver or not. Yeah, yeah. That that Boston bench has me worried. Uh, um, Damian Dodson, I don't know how much he's going to play, but he is one that I really liked as a, an expensive pickup in Cleveland. I liked I liked that move too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jeff Green, did you notice they played Jeff Green at five last night in Brooklyn? Loved it. I mean, I, I yeah. assumed that was going to be their closing lineup. Like they, usually teams at the end of the first half will play what they think their closing lineup will be. And uh, I, I thought I thought he looked uh, pretty spry still. I mean, he's he's kept himself in pretty darn good shape to be playing as athletically as he is at, at age 34. I mean, that was the, the weird thing, right? Like, because we had him in Memphis and he would, like he, He's one of those guys, Justin Holiday's another one, I guess, who's just kind of indestructible. Like they can play an 82 game season and at the end of it be pretty much fine. Uh, that, that they're, that it's not just a question of like the games played. It's like they're, they're never even on the injury report. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I know my guy, Jay Michael is big on Edmund Sumner in Indiana. A, another guy who might not play that much, but it has a, a good defensive skill set at least and can get out in transition and finish. The shooting's a question for him. The decision making too. I mean, they, yeah. they, even beyond the shooting. Yeah, I think I think he's gotten an uphill. Bat. He's got some health questions too. But even if he, oh, uh, I'll give you a guy, uh, Jay Sean Tate in Houston. Yeah, that'll be. I interesting. thought he was a really good overseas pickup. Uh, assuming that they can field a team. <laughs> yes, I actually. Well, there, 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 there is that little problem going on. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't know who his teammates are going to be this year, but uh, I, I think he's going to turn out to be a pretty good pickup. He's on three-year minimum too. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't quite dug into this whole Harden contact tracing thing. Uh, I saw the report from Tim McMahon confirming finally what everyone knew which is that he had had COVID-19 uh before the bubble um but I you know I went to bed at two o'clock last night pacific time so I get up and we record this meal I didn't have that much chance to ch- catch up on the news so forgive me if I'm a little bit out of date on on the latest developments in that story but um all right should we do There's, another one here or are you got you got yeah yeah, more, no, uh, no, yeah 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 let's okay. do another one um this is a good question let me find this one had a couple of questions uh andrew lee had this one uh there's anders wiss talked about it basically the shortened training camp combined with the fact that the delete eight trademark john hollinger was the uh, has been out for whatever it's been nine months how does all that play into the start of the season who has advantages or disadvantages just you know in terms of the types of team i do think 
the the delete eight teams are probably at a little bit of a disadvantage. I think the teams who have are at the most advantage are the teams that played but didn't necessarily go on a deep run. Because I, I also think going all the way to the finals and then having to restart so quickly, like the Lakers and Heat have to do, like I don't, I think that puts them at a at a disadvantage too. But these teams that got to play eight games or got to play 15 games with the first round, I think they probably feel like they're in pretty good shape right now. Yeah, I do think that some of these delete eights have looked pretty dicey. You could throw the Hawks in there, the Wolves in there. Um, you know, and I think there's just, let's not forget too that for large portions of this time, like guys couldn't even come into the facility. And yeah. so I think it's, if you had some players where, hey, you know, maybe they're not the most amazing workers, but like they're still willing to come in and you can kind of get them on a program and like, you know, you can help those guys get better. It's really been much more up to the individual to be a self-starter and be motivated on some of these teams you also just have some guys where it's like maybe they haven't done that much you haven't been able to monitor their injuries kind of make sure like there's reporting for example with Kemba Walker where he was coming into the bubble you know he had this knee issue and then he had all this rest and like the rest didn't help him you know he needed to still be working with the team and you know be managing this condition even when he's not around you know he's not playing basketball games just like sitting at home on the couch isn't enough to kind of manage some of these conditions so those are some things that could come into play but I think your comparison is a good one right if you watch Memphis playing the Hawks or the Wolves Memphis looked way sharper than them, for example, when I think we kind of view those teams as being all relatively close to one another in terms of their talent level. Yeah. And so the other piece of this is continuity, too, though. Yeah. Uh, where Memphis is bringing back basically their whole team and some of these other teams made a lot of changes. So that continuity it, continuity will be favored uh, without any question. Yeah, and it, Kevin Pelton has done some research on this showing that continuity for the first you know little bit of the season can matter. Maybe there'll be a longer period of that this year. But I think you know it's really just the guys who are the self-starters. Also, I think maybe you could say that veterans who just kind of have their routine, who aren't kind of just learning to be professionals who frankly you know maybe they live out in the suburbs they've got more access to training equipment they've got more access to you know playing in a gym they might even have like a gym in their house for example as opposed to you know a rookie or a second year guy for example the warriors guys a lot of them just live in like the apartments around chase center right and when the facility was was the same thing it was the same thing in memphis Yeah. yeah yeah so so it was hard for those guys yeah Absolutely. Whereas, you know, Mike Conley's got his home gym, right? So he could just, he's got a full court and he could just work out there. Yeah. Um, bagels are good. We could take this one quickly. Ask, uh, do you think the empty arenas will play a factor in shooting percentage similar to the bubble? You know, I mean, teams shot incredibly well in the bubble, at least through the first round of the playoffs. And then that kind of dropped off, although perhaps because they were actually good defensive teams at that point. Um, I think it's going to be more that offense is going to be down because while much was made of the bubble being a lockout type of scenario, this is kind of really more similar to that, right? You've got new teams coming together, very short training camp. You've had a lot of COVID restrictions, stuff like that. Uh, You're not in the bubble where basketball is like the absolute only thing, even though guys are kind of supposed to be taking it pretty easy with respect to that, uh, other than James Harden. So I think we're going to see a little bit rougher of an offensive environment closer to kind of i mean not to these levels but relative to where it's been in previous seasons at the beginning of the year in particular like we saw in 99 and 2012 
Yeah, I I think that's probably true. I the the bubble was really a one of a kind thing, and now teams are traveling again and going to different arenas and doing all this stuff. Uh, and like you said, there there are some obstacles uh, in terms of how they're ramping up into this season. I think both those things combined will will probably take the offense down a notch. Uh, okay, let's do a lightning run here. I'll I'll pick one and answer it in thirty seconds, and then you do the same thing. We I know we got a lot of questions. We'll try to get to as many as we can. We got like well over a hundred questions here, so uh, we got to pick up the pace in this last like 10 minutes or so that we have here uh general nba this is a good one from adiz which perennial non-playoff team would you like to take over for the next five years and the answer to that is the new orleans pelicans for me either either them or okc but the pals in particular because while they've done a great job of the asset accumulation i think they haven't done a great job i'd love to wind it back in time to before this offseason or actually i'll say i'd love to wind it back in time to the like four days between the drew holiday trade and the stephen adams trade and get started there um But no, I, I mean, I think just to try to find the fit around Zion, which I, David Griffin, I just don't think has done a very good job. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe there'll be more of an alchemy with this group than we expect. And maybe Zion is just so good, he'll overcome all of that. But that would be my pick. Yeah. I, I can't argue with that. I would go New Orleans as well. Uh, you know, Atlanta might be the only, only other one where you can make a case. Yeah. But, but they have so many assets going forward. And I think they have the best asset of that group, too. Yeah. 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 Memphis would be fun as well because I love John Morant. But, uh, you know, and because I've just always wanted to be John Hollinger since I first started reading him. In- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you, but, you wouldn't but, be in charge. You'd be the, you'd be second in charge. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just remember that. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they're a little more impacted as far as what they can do. They kind of have their group together at this point. Um, I mean, another one would just be the New York Knicks, right? Like, I mean, they, they're just such a sleeping giant at this point. They do have some assets going forward. They, uh, they don't have many assets that are actually on the team. So yeah, yeah. You, uh, you know, if you come in as the owner, I think you have the better, a better chance of succeeding. Okay, pick one here. 30 seconds on the clock. That was a little longer than 30 seconds, but that was a fun one. Uh, two different Hawks questions from Andrew Brotherton and James Fitzgerald, both asking the same thing. What should they target in a potential John Collins trade? Oh, yeah. Actually, let's spend a little more time on this. I, I want to... God, we're, we're such fucking windbags. Uh, but... <laughs> <laughs> or at least or at least I am. But yeah, this this one deserves a little bit more because this is gonna be a okay. big question this year. Yeah, I to me, they're all set up to trade John Collins for a high level wing if one becomes available. Like is John Collins enough to get a get a Bradley Beal trade done or John Collins and some stuff? Oof. I, I don't think it's anywhere close to the best offer. You know, if you're looking at the, the warrior a Warriors package or, or a, a Brooklyn Nets package. package. Yeah, yeah I, I don't think that they I mean you mentioned trading John Collins for a high level wing. To me, it's more trading John Collins for a mid-level wing. I mean, that's just the wings are just more valuable. And John Collins, we know he can score and he can rebound, but the fit with him is very difficult to it's just really hard to build a good enough defense uh, with him out there because he's going to struggle to defend either power position so um so i think my you know I, I like for example i believe that og ananobi is a more valuable player than john collins if you're trying to win at the highest levels that's a fair argument yeah even though john collins might get paid more money next year yeah and, and also that's because he's going to get to be a free agent and ananobi uh, i mean let's not forget to ananobi basically has had two lost years out of the last five with the ACL and then 
uh, the appendectomy and all the stuff that happened his second year. So I think yeah. there's a reason for him to want to grab that deal early on. Um, who's, yeah. who's the best player they could get with with, the, with for John Collins, right? So you're basically saying like forget about forget about the high level guys. Like you got to target more. If there was like a 25 year old version of Danny Green. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, exactly. I, I think that's sort of the more, that's kind of the guy. And I mean, there aren't that many of those guys out there. There's a reason, there's a reason those guys are so valuable, right? Uh, yeah. You know, what about like your, like your guy, Derek White? Yeah, that would be an interesting. It's just the thing is, right? If you're a good team, a playoff level of team and hey, guess what? By the way, most of those really good three and D type of players are on playoff level teams. They are part of what make those teams playoff level of teams. Yeah. Um. Then you don't really want John Collins because of his, the questions about his ability to be a winning player at the highest level. So now are there some teams that might just like be seduced by the points and rebounds? Um, you know, what about, yeah, I mean, I was thinking maybe like Mikhail Bridges, I wouldn't do it if our Phoenix, I mean, they are like Collins is a terrible fit next to DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure who is out there that you know, maybe if Capella still struggles with injuries, they might want to trade him for like a, a better defensive center. That could be a possibility. Yeah. I mean, I guess the other possibility is that, yeah, you could turn around and do something with Capella. If you, if you, if a Kongwu comes in and is like, wow, this guy's really good, then I think it makes it more plausible that you could end up doing something with Capella and having Collins be like, the guy who starts games at four, plays some backup five, but doesn't finish the game. What about a package built around like Keldon Johnson and one of these other Spurs guards and then maybe throw in oh. one of those Spurs vets? Yeah, something like that. Okay, okay. Sp- San Antonio has plenty some- of room to pay him. They like bigs. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, yeah. you could... Uh, I don't know if Lonnie Walker is the greatest fit in uh, in Atlanta, but you know we'll see. Or or maybe Devin Vassell if if yeah. he starts to play well. Maybe Keldon Johnson and Devin Vassell. Like I, I don't know that that might even be too much from San Antonio's perspective. I mean, because the thing right. is, like as soon as these guys start to look really good, it's like, hey, do we really want to trade them for not only John Collins but John Collins making twenty five million a year? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you might say in San Antonio, we're not a free agent destination market, so we might be okay doing. Doing that um you know you could that's a good one yeah. i like that yeah and i'll I, I mean i could see um their new management being uh you know that they haven't impressed that much um yeah all right that's 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 all i got here though at, at this point okay um all right my turn here i actually am going to choose one for 30 seconds all right this one's easy enough uh cal vaden on twitter says uh brunson DiVincenzo, and hart who is the better player now and who has the highest ceiling i think you'd probably have to go with DiVincenzo. i would consider hart to have a higher ceiling because he just has a little bit more size you know probably the most ability to guard opposing wings although he might just be so small that maybe DiVincenzo, who i think can be elite as a one-two defender uh mm-hmm. is better but his shooting is a little bit of a concern to me i believe in hard as a shooter brunson to me is just kind of backup point guard he, he would be third on, on this list for me um what do you think uh i 
could argue for Brunson over Hart. I, uh, DiVincenzo, to me, I mean, I'm captain of the DiVincenzo fan yeah. club. I He's think. got the best. I, I, the best I, I think he has a chance to become an excellent player. Yeah. Uh, I think Josh Hart can be a good role player. He's a little older. He's probably going to top out at pretty much what he is right now. Uh, Brunson could still maybe get better, especially if he was on a team where he didn't, where he had more ball handling responsibility. Uh, I don't know, man. I agree, with, I, agree well with, I agree with you that he's probably a backup. Uh, I th- I, there might be something there beyond that. Um, okay, your turn. Let's do like two more here. Uh, Tim Bayheim asks, I guess, I'm guessing that's not his real name. Any hope for RJ Barrett based on preseason? He looks to be shooting it a little bit better. The situation is going to be so bad. We still may not quite know the answer to it. Like, yeah. you know, he looks like he's taken some steps forward. It's just, I'm, I still like, I mean, what is, what is hope that he's going to be an all-star? No, that he could be like an okay starting two if you really need some creation. Maybe. Yeah, that's more the the most disappointing part isn't the shooting, it's the finishing. It's that he's he just doesn't he doesn't have that high wire athleticism to do stuff at the rim that would make up for him being a shaky shooter. Okay, you want to pick one more? Yeah, sure. Uh, all right. So we got a bunch of Mavs fans asking, "What do they do now?" Uh, yeah. Uh, the yeah, cool we could spend a little more time on this. Asks, one. This is a good question. Who should Mavs be targeting now that Giannis signed? Josh Richardson and Tim Hardaway. <laughs> I mean, that might be the best they could do. Yeah, resigning their Absolutely. own free agents. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'd I'd say that's definitely a good option. You, you know, the, the they've they've crashed on these shores before in Dallas, and yeah, there's uh, although they have a still, good team now, though. Like they they were yeah the, with the like they were had like you know thirty four year old Dirk wasn't enough for a, a big free agent to come there and be really excited about being able to win i mean if they actually have a, an awesome team now that's why they're so disappointing i wanted Giannis to go there actually i wanted to see what yeah. that team would look like but that's obviously yeah. not gonna happen uh you could drop a giant offer sheet on john collins i guess um which you know so much of this depends on what perzingis does this year not just in terms of how he plays but how much he plays because I think the thinking right now is you'd probably like like a big wing is the thing you'd like the most in Dallas. But that could change if Porzingis's knee issues and other health issues start really creeping up on him. Yeah. What about that's... Kyle Lowry in Dallas? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Drew Holiday would be a really nice fit there too. Yeah, we'll see whether Holiday extends or not. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to extend if I were him. He He's easily the best free agent on the market now. Well, Kawhi's the best free agent, but well, who presuming might... Kawhi resigns with the Clippers. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Good, good point. You know, they could also kind of just go the PJ Tucker, you know, just get a bunch of good vets in there route but i think i think they're you know josh richardson we'll see how he plays this year i am expecting him to have a big year so they may just want to re-sign him and then just get one more kind of starter level of guy and you're done yeah i mean they've definitely given themselves a lot of options because they also have the ability to to package contracts in a trade too now they don't have much in terms of draft capital but they have players that are actually decent that they can put in trades so that offsets that to some extent yeah you know i mean they could go the the mike conley route the spencer spencer didn't Woody, you know, probably wants his own team. Well, they they tried to go the Mike Conley route five years ago. So yeah, I could definitely see them trying that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, there's nobody else that's really like sticks out to me as being an unbelievable fit there. Lonzo Ball and restricted free agency. Yeah, the rest- you, you, if you're a good team, you can't do restricted free agency though, unless you get you guarantee you're getting him by the sign and trade route because the opportunity cost is too high. If you don't get him, then you're screwed. Yeah, because you've you because then you've lost Richardson and Hardaway yeah. basically. Yeah. All right, well, this is fun. It's good to interact with her. And we've got so many questions left. We might just do a mailbag again next week, too, um, because we got a lot of team-specific questions we didn't have a chance to get to. And it'll be fun to talk about it with a a week of the regular season in our belt. You ready to uh, watch 13 games tonight? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to try to watch as many of them as I can. There's no games tomorrow, and the weather here is supposed to suck. So I'm going to watch a couple tonight and then try to catch up uh, all day tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, I I know you like to go to, like, these outdoor strip clubs a lot, uh, so that's it's gonna be tough with the weather being being bad you just have to watch some games instead right exactly yeah maybe you know maybe 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 i'll bring my ipad over there we'll see (laughs) all right uh we will be back remember our regular time now is going to be on wednesdays usually we'll record at 10 pacific so should be out you know around uh four eastern one pacific or so every week now so stay tuned thanks for listening and happy holidays to everyone as well at bet 365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.